Hey there, don't check your playlist. You've got the right podcast. You're just hearing what Wheelhouse, a bar and restaurant on Spruce Street downtown, sounded like over the weekend. Sounds paired with images of crowds of people on a dance floor, champagne bottles in the air, drinks in hand, packed in, leaving no room for a care in the world, certainly not for social distancing. That's at least what they posted to their Instagram story for the world to see, which then went St. Louis viral. And it took quite a turn, this story, for the second chapter. Our camera was rolling as the St. Louis sheriff delivered shutdown orders to the wheelhouse, a downtown bar seen on social media over the weekend, living up to its slogan, a party establishment. You know, there's an old saying, and it's old, but um, there's some truth to it. Nothing good happens after midnight. Uh, I know that I know that there's fun to be had after midnight, but uh, in the middle of a pandemic, we really have to have to uh, curtail that. The city of St. Louis said podcast recording time has shut down a couple of bars, including Wheelhouse, Start Bar Next Door, Big Daddy's on the Cleeds Landing, and Marquee Restaurant and Lounge on Locust for two weeks. It's the penalty, the mayor says, for not following the rules. None of the bars have responded to Five on Your Side's requests for comment. By the way. While the mayor declined to make broader restrictions on bars overall, St. Louis County bars will have to close at 10 o'clock every night with 25 percent occupancy. Social gatherings are limited to no more than 50 people. I I want to stay open, so I just really hope people will catch on to the rules or stop ignoring them at least. Bar and brewery owners aimed a lot of frustration at these busted locales. A manager at Rehab, a bar in the Grove that had to shut down temporarily after a COVID scare, says they miss scenes like the one in Wheelhouse, but with temperature checks and contact tracing signups at the door, this bar is not risking it. It would be great if we could just pack everybody in like our normal Fridays and Saturdays. But then, you know, in a couple weeks, all those people are going to be at home sick and we won't have anybody. So the reality is the numbers in much of the St. Louis area are worse than they were in March. And when it comes to the country as a whole, young partiers are taking a lot of the blame for the rise in cases. Even if they're fine, they risk spreading it to others. And people are still getting really, really sick from this. People are still dying from this. Kind of like our two-drink maximum or a vow to stay off the dance floor or text our ex, sometimes our best intentions get bounced at the door of our favorite bars. And that's why the owners of a popular bar with locations in St. Louis and St. Charles say, for them, it's closing time. And it's like if we were in a position where we felt it was necessary to close our doors and dining rooms back in March, April, you know, if, it, if it's equally as bad, if not worse now, like why, why should we feel any differently today? Today on Abby Eats, hear from one of the co-owners of Narwhals. Why he says they made the move, what he wants bar pay- Today on Abby Eats St. Louis, hear from one of the co-owners of Narwhals. Why he says they made the move to close their dining rooms again, what he wants bar patrons to keep in mind, and why he actually has a heart for the rule breakers. We, we hope that we're doing the right thing, but we're not health professionals. Plus, Dory will join me for food news and your weekend planner. Narwhals is like a unicorn in the bar world. Or unicorn fish, I guess you could say, because, you know, narwhal. Anyway, 
We talked to the founders in an episode last year. Give it a listen to learn more about how two buddies whose bold venture into the St. Louis food scene began with the sandwich shop franchise before ingenuity, creativity, and a taste for fun launched the frozen cocktail concept that critics, your parents, all your bougie friends from out of town, and the guy who's still in George from cutting the grass love equally and can agree on. If you've never been to their original location in Midtown or their second spot in St. Charles, the streets of St. Charles build up there, I prescribe you go get yourself a banana, Dave, and call me in the morning. When the great pivot of 2020 happened back in March, both locations shifted to to-go only, even teaming up with local breweries, hot box cookies, and the crispy edge to make care packages that were like mood boosters in a box. They'd even throw in a roll of toilet paper. Brad Merton, who owns Narwhals with his friend Brandon, told me that worked well for a while, but just like a frozen strawberry basil lemonade, all good things must come to an end. Or at least they get a little soggy. It was, uh, you know, still being able to serve our customers in a different fashion. But, you know, it, it was something that we adapted and made work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of got to the point where, you know, once kind of these restrictions got lifted, uh, more places started, you know, reopening. Um, you know, we, we saw a pretty sharp and sudden decline in our curbside. And and soon we kind of felt like we were, in a way, kind of the odd man out and the ones still doing curbside and not opening. So then so we kind of started. People were going and getting drinks elsewhere and not. Yeah. I mean, it. I just feel yeah. like kind of that curbside novelty wore off in a way, you know, it, at, at first it was bonkers, you know, and, and everyone was kind of doing their part to help support and, you know, um, do the curbside, but you know, rightfully so. I feel like people did that for a few months. And once these restrictions got lifted and dining rooms started to reopen and patios started to reopen, like people were itching to get out. They were kind of over like drinking at their house, I'm sure, getting (laughs) through to go. So it's like they wanted to kind of have more of the experience and have more of that normalcy, you know, when it is, you know, kind of like prime time, like patio season to be sitting outside and to, to again, feel normal again. Um, And so I, I felt like, you know, we kind of, put ourselves in a position where we weren't really on a level playing field uh, while we voluntarily decided to keep doing curbside. So we, we made the decision to open our dining rooms. It's something we absolutely want to do. Um, you know, it, it killed us not to be able to have people on our patio when this is literally kind of our prime time uh, to be, be filling the place up. And so, you know, we, we kind of carefully uh, figured out what the best method and ways we could uh, invite customers back inside and do it in the most uh, responsible manner fashion. And I felt like, you know, for all intents and purposes, we, we executed that as well as we could. Uh, and I think we, we did it really well. And we got a lot of compliments and feedback, uh, from, from customers, like being thankful for how we were handling the situation and allowing customers to come back in. Yeah. And it seems like your model could actually work pretty well, considering most of the drinks are made large batch and put in those big freezer blender, fabulous pole level devices. Right. Right. Well, and and that's what was nice. It, 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 you know, it, it, it pivoted our model in a way to where, you know, instead of customers coming inside, coming to the counter uh, and ordering, you know, everything was done table sites where they'd scan a QR code is unique to that table. You know, they'd be able to view the menu, uh, place their order, pay, and then we'd bring the drinks out to them. Brad says they looked around and thought, hey, this could work. They felt like they were doing everything they could to keep things safe and socially distanced while still getting a little closer to normal. Those changes, though, as well as that normalcy, turned out to be the problem. Everything in theory, you know, worked well, um, but it's still, 
we, we, we couldn't ignore what was the reality of what was happening and whether we felt we were doing a good side, good job inside our doors. The reality was the, the pandemic and the surge in cases was as prevalent as ever. And, um, we just felt that, you know, we, we're, we're contributing to that in a way. And even though we feel like we're doing it safe, that's like, we can't control the customers from start to finish. And, you know, speaking more for St. Charles, we just found ourselves again, kind of being the odd man out. Cause I felt like we were doing more restrictions than a lot of other places yeah. were. Um, so it, it, it got a lot of eye rolls and huffing and puffing from customers. And it kind of got to the point where we were kind of pissing people off. And yeah. obviously that's not our goal, but it's like for us to maintain the safety standards for ourselves and our customers, it's like, we have to kind of hold strong to these and, you know, I don't want to piss anyone off, but it's like, it, we just kind of felt like we were eventually in a lose, lose situation. Um, and you know, I just felt that too. It's like, I, I, we were kind of on a tipping, tick, ticking time bomb to where it's like, eventually someone's going to get sick and we might have to possibly, you know, close the doors for an extended period of time. And, you know, thankfully it never got to that, that, that point. And it's like when we didn't close or decide to shutter the inside due to any, uh, positive cases or anything like that, but it was kind of more of a proactive approach and something that we just felt like was the right move, even though it wasn't forced on us. It just seemed that, um, you know, if, if we're truthfully trying to do the safest thing possible for ourselves, for our customers, for our employees, it's like curbside is that answer while still we'll be able to uh, maintain and serve our customers. Right now, when people see that a bar or restaurant has decided to close its dining room, the immediate reaction is, oh, they must have had a positive case. So you're saying you did not have any cases in either St. Charles or the St. Louis City location where you knew of a employee or a customer? Yeah, no, no. I mean, thankfully, uh, thankfully not. But, you know, I just again, I, I just felt that it was inevitable if we kept operating the way we were just with the amount of people that we, you know, were we're now exposing ourselves to on a daily basis, uh, that, that is inevitable. And again, it's like, we're, we were asking and providing masks for those who didn't have it, but there's still, even if it's a short period of time, there, there's a lot of times where it's like, we're having interactions with, uh, people not wearing a mask. Kind of part of the problem we've, we've noticed is, you know, kind of some, some scares, you know, people are saying, Oh, our employee might be like, Oh, I had a friend who was exposed. I was with them. And, you know, we'd get them tested and with these test results taking, you know, 14 days, you know, it's like, right, we're going to take you off the schedule. Um, and it's like, well, who did you work with? Do we have to take them off the schedule? There's really no clear guidelines to restaurants as far as like what that protocol looks like. And it's like, if, if you have to close your doors or have a deep clean or tell that employee, you know, wait 14 days for a test result that might come back negative. It's like, how do you handle all these different types of situations? And, you know, again, to us, it was like, if, if someone does test positive, we felt that, you know, really you're, you're kind of left to maybe have to close your doors for two weeks completely. I mean, maybe that would include curbside too, which would be even uh, more detrimental, yeah. um, which is something we obviously want to avoid. <clears throat> and then, I mean, I think part of it too, just comes back to what, what we're seeing in the news and what, what, what we're seeing as, as this whole pandemic kind of continues and is really as kind of as bad as it's been. And it's like, if we were in a position where we felt it was necessary to close our doors and dining rooms back in March, April, you know, if, it, if it's equally as bad, if not worse now, like why, why should we feel any differently today? And again, it kind of came to the point to where sometimes on a Friday, Saturday night, you know, the place, the place, 
isn't as full as it would normally be. Again, we're, we're spacing things out. We're making pe- people wear masks, but it's, it felt almost a little bit too normal inside. And I don't think this is necessarily the time to feel that normal. And I, I, I wish, I wish it could, but again, you can't ignore what's actually happening in the reality that we are seeing these, these huge numbers and all these cases popping up. And I, and I feel like with, with continuing to be an open, it's, it's kind of enabling and not, not helping kind of like solve the problem. And, and to us, we, we, we want to get through this and, you know, by us closing our doors, we're obviously not going to solve the problem. Um, but, you know, we're hoping that at least we can put our best foot forward and know that, you know, we, we tried to do like the right thing, um, uh, that we feel is right because no, nobody has the right answers. Um, but you know, we just kind of have to do what with what we feel is the safest thing for ourselves and our employees. And, you know, at this time, it just seems that sticking to curbside is the most viable option, at least, at least at this point with how things stand. Safety, the numbers, reality. That's why bars and cities around the country are facing steep regulations right now. In Columbus, Ohio, a judge granted a temporary restraining order forcing bars and restaurants to close after 10. Now the governor is considering what to do statewide. A lot of restrictions, in fact, are statewide. Within an hour of reporting the highest single-day spike in cases, bars in Florida were ordered to stop selling booze. Alabama, North Carolina, they won't sell you alcohol after 11. And Kentucky is a few days into a two-week closure of all bars, something advised in Tennessee since that seems to be making a difference in Nashville. Bars over in Memphis, at least, are under a countywide order that applies to businesses that make more than half of their annual sales in alcohol. Inside services are closed. Yes, that means Beale Street. Our favorite city down the Mississippi, New Orleans, also has most bars effectively closed. The governor of Louisiana banned seating inside and out, and the mayor just banned the sale of to-go drinks at walk-up windows, which is big business on Bourbon Street. You don't mess with Texas, and apparently that includes their bar scene where they're holding booze-fueled and science-deficient Freedom Fest protests, opposing the closure of places that rely on alcohol sales that came with the state's pause and reopening plans. Our neighbors in Kansas City are considering what they should do next, too, after White House Task Force Dr. Deborah Burks identified St. Louis as one of the cities where we really need to do more to get the pandemic under control. Yet in St. Louis, again, the city has thus far declined to put any umbrella restrictions on bars. In St. Charles, the county executive refuses to issue a mask mandate like those in St. Louis City and County, despite urging business owners to ask employees and customers to wear them. And while Illinois has been under a statewide mask mandate for a while, Missouri's governor wants individuals to have the freedom to choose if they want to wear a mask or not. Sure, it makes sense not to punish people who've been trying to do things right, but Brad says too much freedom has been like a punishment of its own, especially at the St. Charles location, where there are very few requirements. It's like when when the reopening plan, you know, back, I guess that was kind of early May, you know, when they kind of announced the reopening, they, they really left it up to the business's discretion on how that was going to look. And to me, that's kind of done in an irresponsible manner, and it, it doesn't provide... Uh, uniformity or consistency or, or clear expectations. And again, it doesn't create a level playing field for, you know, if, if we are trying to abide to the rules and do everything humanly possible to provide a safe environment, but, you know, some of our, some other restaurants in the area or whatever are not, you know, right. 
it, it makes people question like, well, why are they acting like this? And, you know, we're able to do this over the air. So it, it tries to make what we're doing a little bit tougher. You get a little more eye rolls and huffing and puffing and, uh, to where if it was something that was at least mandated, it could be like, Hey, like, this is like what everyone's doing. This is how, you know, <laughs> what we have to do to operate and right, provide right. a safe, safe environment. And again, it at least creates a level playing field. And, you know, so and, you then, and like that's kind of make it, it's a burden on the business owners who do want to take extra safety precautions. Oh, hundred percent. And, you know, there's, again, nobody knows the right answer. And, you know, part of the challenge too, it's like, it would be nice to have some guidance on like, you know, if, if you have an employee test positive, if they're getting a, uh, they're awaiting a test result. It's like, what do you do with that employee? How do you handle that? How do you handle the rest of your staff? How do you communicate that to your customers? Do you need to close down? And if you, if it's left up to business discretions, it's like, my hope is most businesses are transparent and do the right thing. But I, I, I also believe not everyone is going to be that way. Right. And, um, and, and that's where the problem lies. And I think that's why St. Charles has possibly seen a higher spike than in St. Louis County and St. Louis City, just right. because the, the fashion that they opened was maybe not in the most responsible or consistent way. For now, Brad has high hopes they can keep making things work when they pivot back to curbside and to go only until they decide it's safe to reopen inside again. But he says he knows that's a very different experience than a lot of other people face. Let's be honest here, I'm a fan of a thoughtful cocktail in a cool space or even a tall glass of beer from a freshly tapped keg. But at a lot of bars, you're sipping generic vodka from a plastic cup with a sticky lime squeezed on top, and it's perfectly okay. Sometimes a bar is less of a dining establishment and more, well, as Wheelhouse puts it, of a party establishment. And as Brad sees it, they deserve a place too, even if now isn't the time. I mean, I think... I, I think it's good that they're definitely kind of taking action and uh, penalizing or um, closing places that kind of aren't playing by the rules or doing things safely. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's unfortunate for some business models. It's like I feel like they're really kind of strong armed and not it, it's they're, they're in a tough scenario because a lot of, you know, if you're more of like a the bar nightclub type scene, it's really hard to be open and be socially distanced. And, you know, it's also tough for them just to say, well, I'm going to be closed for the next several months. Right. Um, so I think everyone's trying to find a middle ground, but I think it's been proven that's that's just very hard. Narwhals is a, not exactly a ripping shots and getting on the dance floor and partying until 3 a.m. type of bar. But right. <laughs> right. So it is different. So it sounds like in some ways, though, because... Your business model is one way, but a business model of one of these Spruce Street bars, for example, might be very different. It sounds like you have some sympathy, though, for these owners whose business models are just straight up not built for social distancing guidelines. Oh, 100%. It's like I, I totally feel for them, but it, it's it's kind of the unfortunate uh, business model that they are in. And yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know that, that that's a tough pivot. And that's right. something that, you know, luckily, yeah, it's, we, we've been able to adapt, I think a little bit easier and better than those types of places. Um, and yes, I don't have a clear answer on how to do it. And I don't, I don't blame them for trying, um, because this is their livelihood too. And it's like, they have a business to keep afloat and they have employees that they need to, uh, keep working. So I, I, I understand it. Um, but it's, it's obviously a lot tougher for them to navigate and for them to do it safely. And I, I don't, 
I don't think you can just ignore the reality of what's going on either and just pretend that things are going to get better or go away. Um, right. It's, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel for him, though. Yeah. Well, while managers and business owners ultimately have the responsibility of, you know, talking to the staff about what needs to be done, about whether or not the door is going to be open, about what the policies are going to be inside, all of that. There are a lot of people who do want to go to bars specifically to do exactly what you just said, pretend everything is okay. They want to walk in and have a drink and, you know, forget about the coronavirus to what extent is this also though a customer a patron's responsibility to kind of pay attention to the rules um for business's sake or frankly if they just should they just know if you're going into a place where alcohol is served uh it's going to get a little bit crazier than most other places i i our, our, our job when we kind of open was to educate the customer, you know, as, as much as possible and not catch them by surprise with kind of like these rules we were enforcing. And, you know, for, for the most part, <laughs> I felt like they were respected, but our kind of mindset was like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's like, if people don't, you know, believe in the wearing the mask or choose to wear the mask, like that, that is their right. That's what they can choose to do outside of these four walls. But like when you're in our house, like these are kind of our rules and we respectfully ask that, you know, you, you abide by them. Right. And, um, you, you know, we set these rules, you know, for them, we set them for our other customers, we set them for our employees and we, we, we set them to be able to be open and have people into our space again so they can come in and enjoy it. So joining me now, as always, or at least on a good no- good week, producer Dory uh, from your at-home bureau. You're the one who wrote up this wheelhouse story when it started going all over the interwebs. I mean, people were talking about it throughout the weekend. Um, a lot of people were pretty ticked off about it. When you kind of saw this happening and were you know, reaching out for comments and just kind of trying to see what was going to happen next, I mean... What were the kind of other thoughts you were seeing about this as it was going viral? As it was happening, I was also seeing like feedback from other restaurants and them saying, you're really putting us in a tough spot here. We are trying to do everything we can. And then there's just a couple bad apples in the bunch that are essentially ruining or putting a bad name out there for everybody else. It's making it harder for those other businesses. Wash your hands and wear your mask, people. And that's that. Um, well, let's get into some food news that you've rounded up for us here, Dory. Starting with some pretty good news. Yeah, so just quickly going through the restaurants that have reopened that we previously mentioned. Balkan Treat Box, Elia, Olio, Nixta, AO and Company Market and Cafe, Max Local Eats, and all Salt and Smoke locations are now back open after undergoing cleanings, testings. Everybody is back in business. So good to hear there. Yes. And a note about that. So in previous weeks, we've tried to kind of let you guys know about the restaurants that are closing temporarily because of the coronavirus. Um, Dory and I talked about it. And because things are changing so quickly, we don't want you to hear this. On, I mean, we had an instance last week, I think, was it Salt and Smoke that right after we recorded... Yeah, right after we recorded, they said, um, okay, we're going to be open again tomorrow, which we are recording in the afternoon on Wednesday, July 29th. And then by the time you guys get this uh, on July 30th, 
in the morning, then <laughs> things might change. So we're just going to keep working on the Instagram story um, to keep you updated on those type of things. If it's something more significant, like a place is going to, you know, like with Narwhals closing their dining room for the foreseeable future or, you know, something like that, we'll we'll try to keep you posted. But um, when it comes to those temporary uh, COVID scare closures, we're going to kind of pivot toward doing that more on Instagram. Fair to say? Yes, exactly. And I actually just put one up um, a couple hours ago on the Instagram. So there's a new one there. Um, and then we'll also, I can also put a link to our story that we're constantly updating to. So that'll be in the story notes if you want to check that as well. Awesome. Okay. So here's, I mean, I, we were joking. I think we make this joke every week actually about how time is fluid and a weird concept. Um, it's still summertime, right? I'm a little confused by this next headline, but intrigued. <laughs> yes, I was going to say this is our first taste of fall. We've got Schlafly's new take on a traditional cider. It is called the Apple Pie Proper Cider. It's tart with a little bit of sweetness. I don't know, kind of like you, Abby. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this cider has cinnamon, nutmeg, and ginger, and it's uh, apparently they had it on tap last fall, and it was a big hit in the uh, breweries, the tap rooms. So now they're canning it, so it'll be available for everybody this fall. Um, it'll be at Schlafly's locations and then wherever Schlafly's is sold. Interesting. Actually, that does sound pretty good to me. Like doing a, I, I'm not a huge fan of like the pumpkin, uh, pumpkin spice beers and things like this, but I could try the cider. I just not quite yet. I'm looking at my pool out the window right now and I'm not quite ready to uh, transition to fall yet. Yes, I'm still on the summer shandy bandwagon. So there the, cider, the cider will be there in two months when I'm ready for it, I'm sure. Well, if summer bod and summer drinks are still your thing, uh, this one is intriguing and it seems like it could fit into that category. Yeah, so we just heard about Budweiser debuting a new beer, a nice light option for people. It's called Budweiser Zero. It is non-alcoholic. It was developed in partnership with NBA star Dwayne Wade. It has zero sugar, 50 calories, again, no alcohol in it. But the company said it has the same, quote, refreshing, full-flavored taste you can expect from Budweiser. Um, and in partnership with Budweiser, Wade said that this is especially helpful for anyone who doesn't want to have the side effects of drinking, but also you kind of want to still be socially... Yeah. Yeah. Partake in like maybe the post-game beer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Interesting. It's I would try thing. it. I would definitely try it. We'll have to report back to y'all on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be on the lookout for that the next time I go to the grocery store for sure. Oh, Dwayne Wade, Budweiser. That's one partnership that's maybe unexpected, but I feel like the next one is like match made in St. Louis menu heaven. Yes. When I saw this email come in, I thought, oh my gosh, Abby is going to flip out whenever you sent it to me because you knew I was having a bad day and it was actually exactly what I needed to look forward to. <laughs> yes. Lion's Choice partnering with Nudo House for a ramen that is just so St. Louis. It has uh, au jus. It's like half au jus and half beef ramen broth. And then it's got a little pile of uh, Lion's Choice beef on top with the <laughs> a little beef pile, <laughs> beef pile. But I so I got it last night. By the time people hear this, it's not going to be available anymore. I guess we should say that. Um, they have extended. It's through Thursday now. Oh, they did. Okay. So if you're hearing this on Thursday, you still have some time to order from the Del Mar Loop location. Yes. 
So I got it Tuesday night and I, I loved the beef and the sprinkling of seasoning on top. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, there, there was some kind of spice in it that has that like black licorice taste to it that Interesting. I, I'm not yeah. a fan of. So that kind of threw me off, but otherwise it was really good. And I 100% love the effort behind a good St. Louis collab. So they could keep on extending this for all I'm concerned because I think obviously they sold out of it last night. So the demand is there. Yeah, obvious to you because you were looking at it with a full belly. Me, I kid you not, Dory, I was wearing, actually I sent you a picture. I was wearing my Lion's Choice Arch Apparel t-shirt, the one with the lion with the chain around his neck. And I was so excited (laughs) to go and get the collab. And then I called and they were like, we sold out an hour ago. And this was at like seven at this point. So they... They will sell out. And I will also tell you that I've been trying to call in and do a call-in order for lunch for today. I have called, let's see, seven times (laughs) and haven't gotten through. Um, I really effort to try to call if I can as opposed to doing the online thing, but I think it's getting to that point. Um, Or I might just take an extended lunch break and waltz myself right back over there and see if I can get it this time because it's intriguing. Um, But if you get a chance, uh, if you're listening to this early on Thursday and this sounds good to you, make sure you just hurry up and order because when it's gone it's gone but that doesn't mean it's the end of collaborations for nudo house because qui tran um one of our favorite people and the owner of nudo house also of the miley fam- um oh, family his family owns miley he said he's feeling good about this. He's uh, He tweeted that he's in a good mood and feeling generous. And his next collaboration, he said, it would be with another podcast favorite, Mission Taco. So I'm excited. We don't know. We don't have any details on what that'll be or when that'll be. But that's something else to look forward to. And gives you another reason to try out some restaurants that, um, you know, you know and you love. But you might not have gone and done takeout there recently. Well, here's some excuses to do it. Yes. Keep sporting local. Yes. Absolutely. Dory, what is the best thing you had to eat this week? Well, I just remembered one thing. So I was going to go with Cyberg's. I ordered just some original wings. Oh, wings sound so good right now. Oh, it was just, I actually just had some leftovers for lunch. It just hit the spot. Um, Just a good hot wing. I could always do that. But also, I just remembered over the weekend, um, we did a little social distance birthday party for my father-in-law. And as a surprise, I made one of the family's favorite desserts, which is called an ice cream pie. It's basically uh, Nilla wafers as a crust Mm. and vanilla ice cream piled on top. And then you sprinkle in some Heath bar crumbs throughout. And then you top it with basically a caramel with Heath Heath bar crumbs in it. You made this? I made it, yes. Mm. Had you ever made it before and how did it turn out? Yes, I've made it once before um, and everybody loved it. So the thing with this pie is that my husband, Jason, it was like the signature item, one of the signature items his grandma made. She's no longer with us. So to make this for the whole family at a birthday party was like high pressure very brave of you yeah and they said i pulled it off so good (laughs) good all around and it was super tasty i enjoyed it good for you mine was um 
On Saturday morning, I went to Pint Size Bakery to pick up my Christmas in July cookies, which, yes, I got the gingerbread people wearing their little um, Santa Claus-esque bikini and swimsuit, and they were very adorable, and that was really good, Um, so would have been a contender, I think, just because, like, gingerbread in July is actually not too shabby, but then while I was kind of driving around on a Saturday morning anyway, I was planning on coming home and making breakfast but I thought you know nah (laughs) so drove through Yolklore um their drive-through window is open Yolklore is in South St. Louis County like Crestwood and you it's hilarious because when you think of a drive-through breakfast I think of you know my days on the morning show driving around going to McDonald's really quick or something like that but it Exactly. At Yolklore, their drive-through window is kind of like a fast food restaurant, except for such good, delicious food that you get. And I got the uh, nest egg, which is essentially like a biscuit shell. So it's kind of like, um, almost like the pot pie crust, if it was just the crust, but a little thicker, um, with an egg inside. It has like a lemon curd, some pickled onions, um, bacon. It's so good. It's very different. I might order it with a little less lemon next time just because I was really enjoying like the savory side of it, but it was very, very good. And while I was down in South County, I was like, you know what? Went to Crestwood, um, the Crestwood Community Center in the nearby park and had breakfast outside. It almost felt like a regular brunch. It felt like a regular Saturday morning and it was delicious. How nice. Yeah, get out and enjoy that. I didn't know they had a, a drive through window. That's really good to know. So that's something you could add to your weekend. Um, you could go during the week, too, if you're lucky and can go through a drive through breakfast during the week. But um, I would suggest adding it to your weekend, trying to go out to breakfast for pickup. Um, other things we want to make sure you guys know about for this weekend, which would be the last weekend of July slash first weekend of August. It sits right there, July 31st through August 2nd, we're talking about. Um, and once again, the Central West End is going to be busting out the streeteries. Um I didn't get to go this past weekend, but I've seen images, and it looks really awesome. Um, a great way for these businesses to be able to expand out in the street, um, and it, it's essentially just expanding the capacity that they're able to uh, seat and feed, and it it adds an extra level of creativity to our coping <laughs> during this pandemic. But um, if you are looking to get outside and want to eat al fresco, uh, streeteries in the Central West End is one option for Friday and Saturday. Yes, and then on Friday only you can do that downtown as well, al fresco at the MX. This is outside the MX Movie Theater near the National Blues Museum. They're closing off 6th Street between Wash Ave and Locust. There'll be live music from the Jake Curtis Band from 5 to 8 p.m. Plus, there are a ton of restaurants right in that little spot, so you can grab food to go, and they have tables that are spaced 10 feet apart. So you can grab some food, some drinks, listen to live music all in the street. So a nice, safe way to kind of get out and and have a little bit of normalcy, kind of like we were saying before, you know, meeting people in the middle with 
still eating out, but doing it in a safe manner. The like per- the part of me that wants us all to be more pedestrian friendly and ditch the cars and walk around loves this idea and kind of wishes it was the regular normal and we could just have streets downtown shut down sometimes at night and have a band out there. It's awesome. I love it. I think that sounds fun. I think it's so cool. I, I hope that's something that sticks around a little bit at least even after we're past all of this. Totally. And if you're looking for a good old-fashioned Friday night movie night, the St. Louis Art Museum is continuing their at-home film series. Um, One of the best things about the summer is the Art Hill movie series. And you know what? They're letting you do it at home this weekend with The Princess Bride. So to all the parents who are mad that their kids have never seen The Princess Bride or boyfriends who are mad their girlfriends have never seen The Princess Bride or whatnot – It's playing this weekend. Here's your excuse to watch it. Um, Even cooler, I think, is that ahead of the movie, they're having a watch party on Facebook and YouTube that starts at 8.30, where they're going to have a cocktail-making demo sponsored by and put on by the art museum uh, events folks, the people who would normally be putting that stuff on. They're also going to have some movie trivia. They're going to talk art. They're going to do all sorts of fun things um, to help get you in the mood and vibing and enjoying before watching The Princess Bride. I think that sounds super fun. I like that idea. That sounds good. Yeah, and a great movie, too. Um, Dory, any fun plans for your last weekend of July going into your first weekend of August? Oh, goodness. I feel like I have not even thought about it. Me neither. <laughs> Probably should. I don't know. So nothing big yet. <laughs> Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Special thanks this episode to Brandon Murano and Jenna Barnes. They did some reporting uh, that was at the beginning of the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get it in your feed every week and you know exactly when you can get yourself a Nudo House collaboration and all of our other super important time-sensitive stuff. But if you've also missed some episodes um, over the summertime, make sure you download those as well because we've covered a lot of really cool topics um, that we want to make sure you know about. And, of course, leave us a rating and a review let us know what you guys get into on our instagram we're at abby eats st louis check the story notes for info on restaurant openings closures and all that other fun stuff stay safe stay healthy and seize the plate